this is Elle, and you are listening to a transgender woman talking. You know, I want to thank you for uh, spending this time with me and um, listening to the program. I appreciate it. I hope that it's uh, helpful and interesting to you. Today, I want to talk about parenting while trans, parenting while being trans. You know, a lot of, uh, if you were to do, do a Google search about parents and transgender, what you'd mostly find is um, resources and converse- conversations about cisgender parents who have transgender children. And and that makes sense. And um, and I am glad that those resources are available. Um, in my case, uh, my my particular interest at this point in my life is uh, being a transgender person who also is a parent. And uh, you know, I guess on the surface that may be. Um, uh, like, uh, hard to understand because like, you know, um, as trans people, we often get different kinds of medical interventions that, um, impacts fertility. And so, uh, there may be a lot of trans people who don't have, uh, you know, kids that are, you know, genetically from them, you know? Um, I don't really even know what the statistics are. In my case, <clears throat> I was married uh, to my wife for uh, about five years before we started having kids. And we were married for 16 years before uh, I started transitioning. And so for uh, the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of our um, marriage, I was presenting as a man. And I was uh, fairly fertile. Uh, we had to uh, have a little bit of help along the way to get pregnant, especially with our second kid. Um, but you know, uh, for me, when I think about uh, so, so I guess I'm a trans woman, and I have children, and my children call me Mapa, and um, I fathered them. If you you know, want to speak literally. Um, and we are part of the same family that we, that they have been a part of from their birth, you know? Um, and you know, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about parenting while trans is the sadness and dysphoria that comes with, um, the sadness and dysphoria that comes with, uh, not being able to reproduce um, in accordance with my uh, subconscious sex and my sense of gender identity. Um, You know, the fact that, you know, even now I just, I get a little bit of a a twinge of pain when I say that I fathered my children and that's the truth. And that isn't to say I'm not glad that I have them, but, um, you know, wanting to be a mother and wanting to have the experience of pregnancy, um, even wanting to have the, the, the difficult and uh, life-changing experience of childbirth um, is something that uh, is 
uh, I've, I've grieved a lot and, um, you know, something I couldn't admit to at the time. And I, I think that I was, um, aware of it, but very much in denial of it in terms of this, this can't be, I can't, this can't be happening. Um, but I had a lot of dysphoria that came up when my wife, uh, was pregnant and I felt a lot of, uh, I think jealousy, toward her, not in a vindictive way, but in a sad way. And um, I think some of that came out in um, a sort of abnormal level of interest for uh, sort of your average cisgender man and an, an unaverage level of investment in how we would take care of our kids after they were born and what the process that she uh, went through was. And um, you know, I think it also showed up somewhat in, um, at least initially I had some feelings of ambivalence actually about having kids. Um, you know, my wife and I had always talked about having children, but finally when the con when the time for the conversation came, <clears throat> I kind of turned toward, well, well, why are we going to have kids? What's the purpose? And I don't think that I was actually particularly interested in, um, you know, that question per se. Um, but I think what I was interested in was, or maybe not interested in, but I think that part of what was coming up for me was um, I wanted kids as a woman, you know, I wanted kids as a mother. And I think that I discovered that I had some ambivalence about that title and experience of father. Uh, but just like, or, or not unlike being a man, I took on the mantle of fatherhood as a responsibility, um, as an obligation, as my duty. Um, it's what I owned, you know? Um, and, uh, and I, I accepted it, honestly. Um, and, and the truth is that I think I was a pretty good father or dad. Um, I was a good parent. Um, you know, I had my, I've had my difficulties over the year. I've made mistakes over the years. Um, I've made mistakes, of course. I've apologized to my kids at times, you know, for different, um, you know, when I've lost my temper or whatever, I've come back to them and, and tried to demonstrate the process of making amends in relationships. And um, we've had a lot of fun and we've had a lot of adventures. And it's been a beautiful, beautiful thing among the most wonderful gifts of all of life has been able to be a parent, um, which is why when I was going through my own process of coming out and um, you know, having my egg be cracked. That's what we, we trans people sometimes talk about when uh, we sort of ex finally accept to ourselves that we are trans. Um, and, um, um, you know, when my egg cracked, part of uh, what's, what went through my head um, immediately, and of course, all along the way before my egg cracked was my kids. And whether or not they would be safe and whether or not uh, this would be harmful to them and sort of carrying around um, uh, the, the belief that like, 
um, you know, being exposed to a trans person would be uh, intrinsically um, bad for them, which of course is a terribly transphobic uh, judgment and way to think. Um, but it's a lot of what was internalized in me. And, um, you know, like uh, like a lot of trans people, once my egg cracked, I became pretty suicidal because it was clear to me that I was trans, whether I wanted to, whether I wanted to be trans or not, and I didn't want to be trans, but that was the case. I was transgender just on the basis of my experience, on the basis of what I was feeling, on the basis of, um, you know, what I wanted. I, I was trans. It was clear. And so I was faced then with the question of like, well, what do I do with this information? Do I tell anyone? Do I transition? Do I need to transition? Um, and so I went to, um, a really dark place of despair and suicide because I knew, um, that I would lose a lot, a massive amount if I came out in transition, which I did lose. I, I didn't lose as much as I thought I would, but, um, but, and that was all full of these, you know, internalized judgments and, um, or a lot of that was, and so one of the things I was afraid of and one of the things that led me to think about suicide was thinking about my kids. And I started asking this question, what would be better for my children? You know, would it be better for my kids for me to die? You know, would it be better... Um, for me to just like disappear in an accident and, and, you know, essentially pass away and for them to, you know, pay, you know, my wife could, um, you know, marry someone new and they could have a, a stepfather and whatever. And, and would, would that be easier than having to live with the horror, the horror of having two moms and having a trans parent and, you know, th those were honest questions I was asking. And, you know, the truth is that those questions are rooted in a culture of transphobia, a culture of misogynistic transphobia, a culture of, uh, six, uh, of cis sexism, a culture of heteronormativity. And, you know, a lot of that judgment I had internalized. You know, when I came out, I uh, received a letter uh, from a friend, a scathing letter, um, accusing me of uh, abusing my children and going on and on about how my kids need a father figure. And, um, and this person was making observations about how I had lacked a father figure and how I was causing the same kind of harm to them that I grew up with. And, um, you know, that, um, you know, critique and observation was really cutting at the time. It was really painful 
to have to listen to and have to face. And, and I didn't end up actually responding to this person. Um, I just let them know that I had received what they had said. And that was it. I didn't say anything else because I don't, I don't think that it deserved the dignity of a response just because of its tone. But, you know, there is a misogynistic, patriarchal, queerphobic masculinity underneath that kind of says that, um, that, you know, kids need this, like, toxic masculine energy to, like, abuse them and make them feel afraid. And, um, and, you know, trans people and trans women are not the first to experience this kind of uh, hate or this kind of um, uh, prejudice. You know, lesbian couples have faced that energy uh, for many, many, many years. Um, and, you know, gay men have faced that similar energy uh, in their own way um, for, for many, many years, you know. And I think that it's without a doubt that I think it's without a doubt a myth that families need a, a strong father figure in order to be healthy. No, it's asinine. Parents can have all kinds or, or families can have all kinds of different formats that are healthy and good and beautiful. And what kids need is to feel safe, to feel uh, loved exactly as they are, to feel worthy, uh, to trust their parents, regardless of their parents' gender, so they can come to them with the with their needs and to be taken care of in ways that they need to. Um, it's it's astonishing how pervasive this judgment is. That in order for a family to be healthy, it must have a strong patriarchal uh, figure. It's just a lie. And, um, you know, furthermore, I think that um, I've learned a lot about uh, masculinity and masculine traits and healthy and unhealthy masculinity from uh, my 40 years of presenting myself as a man in the world. And I think that I actually have a lot to teach my two kids. My kids are both um, uh, cisgender uh, males, cisgender boys, um, I think I have a lot that I'm going to be able to teach them and already have taught them about how to be a boy and how to be a man. Um, and uh, so I, you know, really, I, I dismiss that critique. Um, I dismiss that accusation. And I think that it is um, uh, really... Um, unfair and untrue. And honestly, the, the research does not bear it out. And, you know, so what we've been doing as a family, for example, has been to surround ourselves with people who are supporters. We surround ourselves with other families that that love us and see our family and consider us to be normal, just as normal as anybody else, uh, where no one raises an eyebrow about the fact that, that our family has two moms and one of us is trans, it's just not an issue in the circle of friends and in our local church community, believe it or not. Um, uh, you know, 
And, and I think that that uh, helps this process to not be traumatizing for our kids. Now, that brings me to coming out to my kids and what that was like and what the conversations went into. And, you know, I haven't gone back to review my journals. I have kept very detailed journals throughout uh, the last couple of years of my process of um, transitioning and, um, you know, gender uh, expression, I guess, uh, gender exploration. Um but of course, both of my wife and I were very concerned about coming out to our kids, and we did not come out to our kids um, until there were other people who also knew who were also supportive, you know? Uh, one of the lines that we we repeated and, and have continued to repeat to our kids is um, in talking about different people from our life and in our world who are accepting of our family, we will tell our kids, we will talk about those people that they know, like old family friends or whatever, old church members and this and that. We will tell them, oh, they're really happy for our family. And we've tended to not focus on the people who have rejected us. Uh, We've tended to focus not on people who are uh, transphobic or homophobic. We've tried to not um, sully our kids' internal pictures of those people by ostensibly telling them the truth. We've instead focused, chosen to focus on people who are, who are accepting of us, again, to try to make it as untraumatizing as possible. Uh, part of what went into coming out for us was um, actually quite a few, like many months, if not a year, of sort of preparatory teaching. So uh, when I came out to my kids as trans, they knew what trans was. They had met people who were transgender. They knew what it meant to be transgender. It was not something that was new or foreign or necessarily scary. It was something that was beautiful. And so while it's been hard for them in some ways, and while it's been an adjustment, it wasn't initially at least, like a terrifying, awful experience. And I don't think it's been a terrifying, awful experience along the way either. Um, You know, I have a sister who's a lesbian. And so we had talked for, you know, a couple of years about what it means to be lesbian or what it means to be gay or what it means to be bisexual and what it means to be transgender. And we've been reading this book I'll put a link in the show notes by this woman named Deneen Akers called Holy Troublemakers and Unconventional Saints. And it features all of these different, um, often people of faith, faith leaders, who um, change the world in their own ways and who were queer. And so, and, and many of them were trans. And so our kids knew what it was to be trans. And, um, And so, you know, we told them it's gone really, really slow. At the time when I told them, I was still presenting very masculine. Um, I I had not physically transitioned very much. I'd been on hormones for a few months, um, but there wasn't, you know, noticeable changes really. Um, And I remember the first time I wore a dress in front of my kids. You know, we had told them ahead of time, you know, um, your... um, your dad is going to, you know, probably start to change some clothing. And so we did that a little bit over time. And then, you know, maybe, um, and that was mostly just around the house here and there. I wear a dress or whatever. And, and we would continually check in with our kids about, 
how they felt about it, if they felt weird, um, we would process it with them. Um, you know, at one point when we started uh, going out of the house, like going shopping or something with me presenting as myself in the world, um, the kids would call me dad, you know, at the grocery store or something. So eventually we had a conversation with them about how, you know, them calling me dad felt kind of scary to me because it sort of communicated to everyone that I was trans. Now, I mean, we've already talked about being visibly trans. Like people know I'm trans pretty much by looking at me. Um, but nevertheless, we talked to our kids about that. And so um, they chose an alternate uh, label for me, uh, which is MAPA. They chose it. Um, and they gave me that name. Um, and they use that instead of dad. And they sometimes slip up and call me mom uh, from time to time. But but we wanted to, you know, it was hard because there weren't very many options. But, um, you know, we wanted to give our kids agency, if at all possible, in this process. And, you know, when your parent comes out as transgender, you you really don't have much agency. You know, that's that's kind of the reality. You know, it's it's not for them to decide. And so we wanted to try to create possibility where they had that agency. And we didn't want to force them into situations that they didn't want to be in if it was at all possible. And so uh, letting them choose that name was a part of the process. And I think that was, you know, I think it was meaningful to them and it felt good. Um, you know, it's been interesting, too, in the year or so since. You know, it's been a little over a year since I came out to my kids. And they are thriving. They are doing wonderful. They are fine. Uh, life is good for them. Um, but, you know, I have had some questions come up at times about sort of self-judgments about, you know, like feelings of of, like, brainwashing them almost like that accusation, and maybe it has something to do with this sort of vitriolic hatred of us by uh, right-wing politicians and right-wing pundits who are, you know, using trans people as a political pawn uh, to stoke and uh, create fervor among their base. Um, but, you know, there's kind of this subtle accusation that's out there that like somehow we are um, teaching um, uh, our kids, uh, you know, we're, we're teaching them awful countercultural stuff and we're teaching them to think of that as normal or as good or as proper. And, you know, that accusation is actually kind of, um, um, uh, I guess, a little bit reminiscent of um, um, you, it's kind of reminiscent of some of the accusations I heard from non-religious people about raising my kids religiously. You know, if you think of like, a, you know, a, a context where um, if you think of a contest, a context where um, a kid is brought up in a really, you know, sheltered conservative environment, and you know, I, I you know, I think of like that book, Educated by um, Tara. 
uh, shoot, what's her name? Her name is Tara something. Um, where, you know, essentially she was brainwashed to like be afraid of taking Tylenol and so on. Um, you know, I guess there's a, there's a way in which I feel like when we parent our kids, when we teach our kids about how to move through the world, they are at our mercy. And so I guess, you know, you could think of that as uncharitably as brainwashing, but I think that it happens no matter what it is that we teach them. And I'm thrilled to teach my kids love and acceptance. I'm thrilled to teach my kids forbearance and creativity and courage. I'm thrilled to teach my kids that it's normal and beautiful and good to be gay or trans or lesbian or cisgender or heterosexual or religious or non-religious or whatever. I'm thrilled to teach my kids that they are worthy and that I'm worthy and that I love myself just as much as I love them. You know, we're creating this environment in our home of safety. And and no doubt, our kids will be harmed. Our kids will go through difficulty. My wife and I will hurt our kids. Our kids are going to have to go to therapy. And they're going to do all of those things just like every other kid, whether they're in a home with parents who are divorced or parents who are married and heterosexual, whether they're in a home of a polyamorous uh family, uh, whether they have single parents, whether they have gay or lesbian, like whether they're adopted, we all have stuff that we're going to have to work on. My kids are included in that. And part of the joy of being a parent is getting to help them through it. And part of the beautiful gift of being a transgender parent is that I know a thing or two about going through hard stuff. So uh, there you go. There's some of my thoughts about being a transgender parent. Thanks again for listening, people. Uh, This is our longest episode yet, about 25 minutes. Uh, I promise they won't be longer than this going forward. And uh, I'm going to be back with you again in one week.